You, you ever bragged about something and, uh, and then not quite being able to pull it off? Uh, a couple of years ago, we were on a holiday in France, and um, I humbly told my kids, you, you know, when I, when I was in France with school, um, I was told by a French person that my French accent was so good, it sounded like I came from Paris. But the problem was, once I'd said that, whenever I went up to a French person and said, oh, bonjour, ça va? They went, ah, oh, hello, I see you're English. No, pour aller à la gare. Oh, yes, mate, you want to go straight down the road and turn left. Your French is awful. Okay, so it didn't work. Have you ever done that? Have you ever bragged about something? Maybe you've said, oh, I'm the fastest. And then didn't quite win the race. Or, oh, yeah, I can climb that tree. And you've got stuck halfway up. Or, yeah, I know all my spellings this week. And you've got three wrong in the test. And that attitude where you say, hey, I'm better than other people... That's called pride. It's not being proud in terms of, oh, I'm doing quite well here, but it's, hey, I'm good and I'm better than you. That's called pride. And they say that pride comes before a fall. Uh, Actually, in the Bible, pride comes at the fall because it's the attitude that Adam and Eve have right at the beginning of the Bible. They say, hey, God, we know better than you. You told us not to eat that fruit, but we're going to eat it. And we want to be like you. We know best. We're going to ignore you. And so as Jesus, God's king, walks the earth, he sort of exposes pride. Because when you come face to face with the one who is God's king, you either say, Lord Jesus, you have the right to rule my life. I'm going to bow down and and worship you. You can be in charge. Or you say, no, actually, I know best. I'm more important than you. I want to stay in charge in my own life. And so Jesus tells a parable here to show us the danger of pride. In fact, in the whole of our little section of Luke, the, the punchline comes in verse 11. Look down at Luke 14, verse 11. If you forget everything else this morning, this is what you need to remember. Luke 14, verse 11. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In other words, if you think, yeah, I'm great, I'm in charge, I'm the king in my life, one day you'll find out you're very wrong about that. But if you think, no, actually, I'm not the person I should be. I don't live in the way God wants me to be. And I'm struggling. Well, you will find out that God lifts you up to our party, as John's already said, far better than anything you can ever imagine. You might put it like this. The only way up is down. That's what you need to remember this morning. The only way up is down. So, shockingly, as we've been walking through this section of Luke, what we've seen is it's actually the religious leaders who have been quickest to reject Jesus, who have been most proud. And Jesus is at a party of of one of those top religious leaders, a Pharisee. But, But things are far from relaxed and friendly. And here's the first thing that we see this morning. It's how to spot pride, spotting pride. Have a look at chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. It's the Sabbath again, reminded three times in verse 3 and verse 5 as well. It was the special day God gave his people to think about their relationship with him. But but the Pharisees, they'd made it a day surrounded by loads of little rules, rules they'd made up. You couldn't carry a mat on a Sabbath. You couldn't turn off your lights on the Sabbath. They weren't rules in God's word, 
but they were rules that mattered to the Pharisees. And these Jewish religious leaders, they're just watching Jesus, just to check that he's going to keep their rules. You see, the first way to spot pride is it judges others. Uh, Proud people are usually experts on what other people have got wrong, other people's sin. They, They check up on them. I think one of the saddest places you can see this in sometimes is in people's marriages. Husbands and wives become experts on the fault of each other and seem totally blind to their own faults. It could even be sometimes that that people set each other a trap to to see if they fail. That that could be what Jesus is facing here because there's a man, we don't know why he's at the party, he's in verse 2. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Maybe the Pharisees have put him there to catch Jesus out. What they're looking for is for Jesus to make a mistake. So he asked them a question, verse 3. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now, if they looked into their little Pharisee rule book, they'd find that you could only heal life-threatening diseases on a Sabbath. But it didn't say that in the Bible. So if they say, yes, it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath, well, they're breaking their rules. But if they say, no, you can't heal on the Sabbath, Jesus, well, it just makes them look very uncaring. So do you see what happens to these experts in the law? Verse 4, but they remained silent. Suddenly, they haven't a clue what to say. So taking hold of the man, Jesus healed him and sent him on his way. There's the second mark of pride. It won't admit when it's wrong. Proud people, they'll argue and argue and argue. Maybe even they'll just go very quiet in their anger. They, they won't say, sorry, though. I got that wrong. Or they might say, sorry, I hurt your feelings. Which actually means, I'm sorry that you're so sensitive that you can't cope with the fact that I'm right. But they won't say, no, I was wrong. But Jesus won't let these uh, religious leaders off the hook. Look what he says in verse 5. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, will you not immediately pull it out? Uh, you, you might see there's a little footnote there. There's some dis- disputes whether that should be translated child or donkey. Maybe parents, you've had days also where it's quite hard to tell the difference. But, but Jesus' point is simple. You'll help yourself on the Sabbath. You'll do things that you want to do, things that might even be good, but you won't let me do good for this sick man. There's a third mark of pride, hypocrisy. It sets other people rules, but then doesn't keep them itself. How people are always hypocrites. And these are Jewish religious leaders. They're so keen on spotting what Jesus is going wrong, so keen on catching him out, They don't see their own faults, totally blind to their own failures. And so we read in verse 6, they had nothing to say. Judging others? Failing to admit it when you're wrong? Setting people rules you don't keep yourself? Can you spot pride? I mean, pride in yourself. I mean, you're not just sitting there thinking, oh yeah, I know some proud people. I'm very glad, Lord, I'm not proud like them. Because that's ironic. Yeah, if you're doing that. Can you spot pride in yourself? And the danger is, if we can't see our pride, 
One day we might be left speechless like these religious leaders, standing before Jesus when he judges the world, faced with the demands, the things we've demanded other people do, and then the things we've actually done ourselves, and how the two just don't match up. So Jesus has some helpful advice. That's how you spot pride, but how do you cure pride? Well, here's curing pride. Because he goes on to tell them a story about a wedding feast. Now, for these Jewish religious leaders, they knew that when God's king, his Messiah, came, he would invite people, John's been telling us about this, invite people to a glorious wedding feast in heaven, the banquet of the Messiah. So this isn't just a nice bit of advice about how you behave properly at a posh party. This is a parable to tell them the attitude you need to be friends with God and go to heaven. Uh, Look at verse 8 with me. When someone invites you to a wedding banquet... Do not take the place of honor for, your, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited you, both of you, will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. Can you imagine the embarrassment? I mean, say, say it was a massive posh party here at the King Center. And here's the top table laid out. And you're pretty sure that the seat here, the, the place of honor, is reserved for you. So, so you walk up and you sit down in it. And then your host, the person whose party is, walks in. And on their shoulder is Sir Reginald Smythe. And um, they're, looking, they're looking a bit upset, the host. They, they park Sir Reginald towards the back of the room. And they walk up to you. And they say, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. They say it rather too audibly, rather too loud. People around you can hear this. I'm, I'm terribly sorry, but... Um, that seat is not for you. Um, if you. If you go out the door and round to the left, you'll see a green sign with the word toilets on it. And just under there, you'll find a table on its own with one chair. That's your place. And, and so in front of all the other guests, you have to do the walk of shame out of the building while Reggie gets your seat. It would be so embarrassing, wouldn't it? So so Jesus advises a bit of caution about how important we are. He says in verse 10, But when you're invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. See, the way to think of yourself, says Jesus, is as the lowest. Not because that's good tactics at a party, but because God loves humility. Verse 11 again. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's the principle. The only way up is down. That's actually what the Lord Jesus did for us. He humbled himself. He came down from heaven. He became a man and took on flesh. And finally, he humbled himself by going to a cross to die there, to to bear the punishment that all our pride and all our selfishness and all our sin deserves. And then he was exalted, risen from the dead, and raised back to be with his Father in heaven. And so he says, you need to think that you are lowly as well. Did you see the problem word in verse 11? All. That's the problem with. There's no exception. The only way to be lifted up in God's eyes, the only way to have a relationship with him through Jesus is to think of yourself as low, to be humble. That's very hard in our world, isn't it? Because our world is saying to us, you need self-interest, you need self-confidence. It's what we tell our kids at school. You've got to think well of yourself. You're brilliant. 
I was chatting to one girl recently who's just left school. She said her end-of-year assembly was all about, you are fantastic. You can do whatever you want. Just believe in yourself. But actually, the path to a relationship with Jesus Christ is one of admitting you live life for yourself. That actually you fail to meet God's standards. You fail to love people the way that you should. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that might be very good news for you today. Because you might be here and that might be exactly how you feel. You, you might look at the world around and think, I'm, I'm, I'm just a nobody. I'm a failure. But, but it might be that you need to realize that about yourself. That, that actually we've done nothing to deserve God's love. Nothing to deserve a place of Jesus' party in heaven. Actually, what we need is him to save us, him to die for us, him to cleanse us, so that we can then be raised up, uh, given the state of being children of God, to, to live with him in that glorious forever party that is the new creation. Do you remember? The only way up is down. So what, what do you want people to think of you? What do you want to be known of? You know, do, you, do you want to be thought of as a success? The person who's doing well at work or doing well at school or has that well-rounded family that we're all trying to get to? Or do you want to be known as someone who's humble, who, who's quick to see their faults and admit their faults, who's slow to criticize others? Because in the end, humility isn't just an, an attitude, something we believe about ourselves. It's an action. And Jesus says that our actions sometimes can change faster than our attitudes. Look what he says in, in verse 12. He suggests a practical cure for our pride. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors from Claygate. If you do... They may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. You see, with friends, we tend to operate a sort of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours principle of friendship, don't we? We show it every time that, that we go out to someone's house, and then they invite us for the second time, and what do we say? Oh, no, it's your turn to come to ours. You know, we, we, uh, in our last church, there was, there was one moment that was a bit of a, a low moment for me when I saw one man slightly angry with another and he was saying to him, you have never invited me or my family to your house, to which the other man helpfully replied, but you have never invited me or my family to your house, to which I couldn't quite see how this was ever going to be sorted out. We tend to be like that, don't we? We, we have people around because we like them, and then they have us around. And as John said, one of the worst things is to find out that They've had everyone else around apart from us. That's the way we operate in friendship. But, but Jesus says, no, no, don't have around people who you like or people who are like you or people who make you look good or feel good. L look who he suggests in verse 13. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Now, in Jesus' day, these were the outcasts. Uh, hanging around the, these sort of people would, would make others look down on you. They wouldn't think you were caring to have people with special needs into your house. No, they'd, they'd be worried that if they associated with you, 
while others would think that they were like you as well, a bit of a fool. But Jesus says, no, that's exactly who you should have around. You see, true humility is shown who you'll, by who you'll hang out with. Because a lack of humility, pride, isn't just looking up to yourself. It's looking down on other people. So, so I wonder, when you're thinking next about who to invite round, maybe who to have to your party, kids, maybe adults who to have round, you, you don't just think, oh, I quite like them, they're fun. Maybe you could think, who are the people I could show God's accepting love to in the Lord Jesus? Who are the people who, who alone need help? I don't read anything, by the way, into your next invite round to our house. But, but you, maybe you could think like that. That would be a different way to organize our lives. That's what Jesus suggests. Because, you see, if you want to impress people today, well, you'll, you'll always have round those who make you look and feel good. But if you want to impress Jesus, well, look at verse 14. And you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. On the day we all stand before Jesus and he judges all people, well, on that, on that day, he, he won't care about whether we were important or people looked up to us or people thought we had a lovely house or a nice job, but he will be impressed by the fact that we've humbly loved others, whoever they are. You see, the way to cure your pride is to practically invite anyone else into your life. Now, now you might be thinking, well, thank goodness I am. Actually, I'm not like that. I'm quite humble. I I don't don't think much of myself. I don't look down on others. Well, there's one one guy at the party who thought like that. And it's the last thing we see. It's warning pride, warning pride. So so we've seen how to spot it. We've seen how to cure it. But, But what's the warning? Look at verse 15 with me of chapter 14. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. He's heard what Jesus has said, and he's thought, Yeah, I'm going to God's party in heaven. I'm humble. He's the sort of guy who who wrote the book, Humility and How I Achieved It. That is me. And as soon as Jesus starts talking, he assumes he's right with God. So Jesus tells him a story to warn him about party invitations. Verse 16. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. It's clearly no ordinary party. It's a very important guy. He's invited loads of people. He's put on, as they'd say in the north, a fantastic spread. And verse 17. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who'd been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Now, now there were no clocks around at this time. No one had a watch. So it was pretty common that you sent your servant out when you got the grub ready so that people came and and they had it hot. That that was normal. But but look what happens in verse 18. But they all alike began to make their excuses, which is a bit odd because presumably they've already had the invitation. They've said they're coming. This is just the, come on, guys, the food's on the table. And when you hear the excuses, it gets stranger. Because the first man says, look, I've got a, I've got a new field. I've really got to go and see my field. Like, like that's not something that could wait till tomorrow. And if you bought a field, you wouldn't have seen it. Then the second says, I've got to go and test drive my new oxen. Another thing of great urgency. The third excuse is more subtle. Did you see that in verse 20? Still another said, I have just got married, so I can't come. 
It's more of a, a reason than an excuse. Now, God's law in the Old Testament said that when you got married, you should have a year off war. Good to spend some time with the wife and not get killed. Yeah, but it didn't say you couldn't do anything. No, no, these aren't really excuses. They're just being, frankly, rude, insulting. It's a bit like, say, you got an invitation to a state banquet or a garden party at Buckingham Palace. But, but you, uh, you drop the Queen a text, because that's obviously the way you'd reply, saying... Look, um, I've just, uh, just rented an allotment, and I need to go and test the soil quality. No, no, really, Your Majesty, I've bought a new lawnmower, and I want to take it for a drive around the garden. Oh, well, when we did our marriage prep, they said it's important we, we concentrate on our relationship with each other, so we're seeing no other human beings for the next 12 months. You see, what they're actually saying is, I want to come to your banquet. In fact, I've got more important things to do than come to your banquet. In fact, anything I've got to do is more important than coming to your banquet. See, Jesus, God's king, issues this invitation to the best party ever, a heavenly banquet. Uh, The Jewish religious leaders knew all about it because all through the Old Testament, God had been inviting them to this party. But, But they're so important, they can't accept Jesus. You see, pride in the end assumes the trivia in your life is much more important than the priorities Jesus has for you. But but God's plans won't be stopped. Do you see that in verse 21? The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants to go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Did you see how those are exactly the people that Jesus had told the Pharisees to have round? That the people who realize they're low, who realize they need him. Oh, that's been done, says the servant. Uh, so the master says, verse 23, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. The roads, country lanes is, is probably referring to people who weren't Jews. We, they're called Gentiles in the Bible. You see, God will have a full party in heaven. Everyone he wants to be will be there. For these Jewish religious leaders, the, the, the crippled, the, the blind, the, the outsider Gentile being at God's party, that had been a repulsive idea. But for Jesus, that's exactly who is going to be there. You know, some people say Christianity is a crutch for weak people. They're exactly right. That's absolutely what it is. Because only when you realize that in yourself that we are poor, and that we are crippled before God, that by nature we're an outsider to his family, that we desperately need what Jesus has done for us at the cross. Well, then, only when we realize that will we have the humility to accept the invitation. It's why in a moment when we come around the Lord's table, what do we do? We receive bread. We receive wine. It's all about what God has given us. But Jesus is also warning us here that pride can be more subtle. It might not look down on others, but it might just assume that the things you want to do in your life are more important than following Jesus with your whole life. You just can't quite squeeze him into your busy schedule. You don't sort of reject outright what he says, but it's more about what you do. That, that our plans for our life with our achievements in our family and our success crowd out our Savior. And our Savior demands everything. That's what we're going to see in the next little bit of Luke. 
next week. And so beware of that sort of pride, says Jesus. The pride that says, my priorities are more important than yours. Because verse 24, I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. See what John said earlier is true. The Lord Jesus Christ invites anyone to his banquet. But but the criteria for coming is, is to see that you don't deserve to be there. The only way up is down. And the only people who won't be there will be those who've refused him. Either by looking down on others and being sure that they don't need him. Or by letting the trivia of their life crowd out the one who is rightfully their king. Do you come this morning humble? Do you come struggling? Do you come broken? Well, the great news is, Jesus was humbled and broken for you. And as a result, his banquet is your home forever. Let's pray. Thank you so much, loving Heavenly Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't call us to achieve something, to, to reach a certain set of standards, to fulfill a criteria, to be a certain type of person, to perform some religious ritual so that we can be friends with God, so that we can have a place at His table. Now, quite the opposite. He just calls us to admit how we failed. Please, our Father, help us to be humble and so know that in Christ we will be exalted. For Jesus' name's sake, amen.